What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the UFC Fight Night 139 SB Nation MMA post-fight show. My name's Flying Brian J. Thank you so very much for joining me. As always, I've got the Zane Simon from the six-round post-fight show with me. And what just happened was UFC Denver, the 25th anniversary tour stop in the birthplace of the UFC. And this fight card had pretty much everything. There was a fight that was a clear mismatch. Could have been at UFC 1. Uh, we saw an incredible finish. In the main event, in the co-main event, we saw a pretty darn cool finish, but also two records broken. There was just a ton, a ton of things that you want to see at a fight card that happened tonight. Zane, what's your uh, what's your impression of this thing? And, and like half of it was really boring fights. So if you're really into really boring fights, they had you covered for that too. Yeah, this thing had it had it all. It took. It it, I, I could have used a few less boring fights and a few. Less a, li a little less fight pass pacing, but it's hard to come off that final that final main event fight and feel anything other than really happy about it. Honestly, I mean, that's always the way with a fight card: is that if the main event delivers, you don't have to care about the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, Yair Rodriguez versus the Korean Zombie, instant classic. I mean, that contender for fight of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just you know both guys. Korean Zombie outworking Yair. I honestly, I even not even I blank out the commentary, so I realize that you know Paul Felder may have been off on his own universe, taking making his own trip or whatever. But I even just watching and typing and all that, I thought Yair had won the first couple rounds. I know he got heavily outstruck. I realize the numbers are totally tell a different story, and I wouldn't have been mad if anybody gave it to Casey. I'm just saying personally, watching while I was doing working i thought yair had landed the bigger shots and that he had won close rounds off bigger shots and so i had it all even going into the fifth round i realized a lot of people had it 3-1 or 4-0 for korean zombie and so but it was like it was a good hard back and forth fight where even with korean zombie even with chan sung jung out working yeah, Rodriguez, for a lot of the fight, it never felt like he had taken control of the fight. It always felt like they were both fighting in little bursts. And Yair's bursts included single big strikes. Korean Zombies' bursts were multiple combos. And as the fight went on, Yair's big bursts meant less. And it felt like Korean Zombie was snapping his head back more and just kind of taking slowly, just complete control of the bout right up until that last fucking last second absolute last second reverse back up elbow knockout that Yair landed that is easily the wildest thing I've seen since that Anderson Silva Tony Fricklin knockout if not wilder even than that and what's crazy about what you just mentioned there is Yair hit uh, the Korean zombie with a few of those same elbows like Anderson Silva hit, mm -hmm. hit that time and then it was that that upward backward fucking elbow knocked him out and slept him hard when they the camera wasn't showing him for a while I'm like oh gosh this guy I always get worried that we're gonna see the first death in the UFC or something or somebody's actually really hurt I was a little worried when they like wouldn't show anything other than just Yair it would just add to Korean Zombies legend he'd rise from the dead and then we'd be like oh well of course I mean you know. Yeah, that that fight. I wasn't scoring it as as we go. I actually I just kept checking your Twitter to see what you were scoring it or the bloody elbow Twitter. 
because I was just like, I was going to score it after the first round. I'm like, man, I don't know. It was just so much fun. I'm not even going to tweet between rounds. I just want to listen to the corners and enjoy the fight. It was so damn fun. Uh, yeah. Yair with the kicks, Zombie with the punches. And one of the thoughts that I've had early on, I know that the Korean Zombie doesn't have takedowns like Frankie Edgar, but Yair did a phenomenal job with his takedown defense in this fight. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing with Yair. You know, people, I think they kind of took a lot, a little too much away from that Frankie Edgar loss and forgot just how good a wrestler Frankie Edgar is. And it's like, oh, well, Yair's takedown defense sucks. Or Yair's just, you know, he's too easy to bully. And no, Yair's always, like, he's always been really hard to hurt. And he's always been tireless. And he's always been good in a scramble. And he's generally been hard to take down. The Frankie Edgar fight was really just a... You're not good enough. You're not good enough defensively to fight off the best wrestler in your division. And he wasn't at all. But he fought off Korean Zombie well. He still has major defensive openings. He still backs up with his hands down and his head online and expects to just be fast enough to get out of the way. And Korean Zombie made him pay over and over again for that. But he's got a fantastic chin on top of that. You know, he, it's not like he. It's not like he gets hurt, hit, and he gets hurt badly. He ate a ton of shots and was right there in this fight. Obviously, clear all the way up until the last second. I'm really interested to see if somebody tweeted out a picture of the official scorecard to know what it was going into that amazing yeah, finish. I, I didn't see. I, I I think we started too fast. Usually, it takes a few minutes after the end of the fight. I expect we'll see it eventually, but uh, I would be very interested to see it because, you know, it, it, with the the asset of st- st- stats that the judges don't have, I think it would be hard to argue for Yair winning any rounds, just getting outworked every round by Korean Zombie. But like I say, just casually watching it live and even tuning out the commentary, I was casually like... the. The kicks, especially the kicks that were buckling Korean Zombie's leg a lot early, that was what really swayed me in the first round was just how bad Korean Zombie was eating all those leg kicks that everyone seemed to knock him off balance, seemed to knock his leg away. And then, you know, round two, I can't, you know, I can't even remember now what might have swayed me in round two, but they were close rounds and I was just kind of going with what was catching my eye as I was watching it. And... I would be absolutely, you know, I'd be really interested to see what the judges saw because, especially in close back and forth striking battles, judges tend to be really bad at picking out, like, oh, this guy landed more volume, so clearly he won that round. If it's close and back and forth, you never know what the judges are seeing. Well, yeah, they said the stats were so much in favor of the Korean zombie, yeah. but watching it, it didn't feel like there was that big of a gap. No, it, it didn't. I think it was just how. It's just, I think, mostly the fact that they both fight in bursts. And it was Korean Zombie's bursts were two or three strikes, and Yair's were one. But they're both bursts. They're, like, both once every 20 seconds. And so when you're just seeing each guy land every 20 seconds, it's hard to then match up, like, oh, well, he landed two shots in those 20 seconds, and he only landed one. I don't know. 
Right. What What do you think is next for Yair Rodriguez? He was booked one time against Zabit Magomed Sharapov, and he said in the post fight he doesn't care what who's next. Or in the post fight interview, he said he doesn't care who's next for him. He just wants to work toward the title. He knows the title is in his future. Do you want to see him rebooked with Zabit, or you want to see him go higher in the ranks? I mean, well, I, I don't see any reason to that he couldn't be booked with Zabit. That seems like a great fight. It seems like a ton of fun and. The a lot of the rankings ahead of him don't necessarily seem like they would be more fun fights to watch. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe Josh Emmett is further up the rankings than Zabit Magomedsharipov, but do I want to see Josh Emmett fight Yair Rodriguez more than I want to see Yair fight Zabit? Not, not really. Not at all. Yeah. Or uh, trying to look at who else is. I mean, I, I can't imagine honestly, like. Jose Aldo taking a fight like that, although he might, but he seems more set on, like, I want these couple of big fights and that's it. Cub Swanson's out there, so you could, you could do Cub Swanson versus Yair Rodriguez. That would kind of suck for Cub Swanson because, like, his last, well, oftentimes against Duho Choi, against Brian Ortega, against Hanato Moicano, we put him out there as, like, this gatekeeper. Yeah, he's the guy who gets in wars with the young prospect to find out if the young prospect has what it takes. And even though he's ranked number seven, he's lost three in a row now, you know? like Right. That That's kind of a problem, too, for the top of featherweight. Like, Aldo's coming off a win over Stevens. Last, but, well, you know, that means Stevens is lost. Swanson is lost. Frankie's injured. Uh, Elkins and Lamas are booked, obviously. And... Uh, Bektich is booked, Ortega is booked, so Moicano's booked. So you really have like Magomedsharipov, Emmett, and Stevens, Swanson, and Aldo. Mm-hmm. So Swanson coming off three losses, you might maybe look at Yaya Rodriguez with Jeremy Stevens. That'd be a fun ass fight. Yeah, that'd be a super fun fight. And, and while I was watching this fight, I was thinking. The Korean Zombie, he got a title shot back in the day against Jose Aldo, and I was thinking, I don't care about him getting a title shot ever again. In this day and age in the UFC, where we've come 25 years, we came to like it was pure sport for a minute there when before they were trying to sell it to WME, IMG, and now we're getting rid of a flyweight division, for God's sakes. It's just all about making money, so the fight's that are fun I'm going to pay more attention to like we could rank them on how fun they are and who they match up against for funsies rather than rankings because that seems to be where we're headed so for the Korean Zombie let's just have him fight fun fights uh, Yair Rodriguez let's not have him fight anybody like Frankie Edgar ever again let's let's let him showcase his fluid dynamic like I know every single code in this video game striking style yeah no absolutely I you know I I'm fine with Korean Zombie kind of... I mean, I know... I, I'm going to say this, and I know that Cowboys... Uh, Don Cerrone is, you know, just immediately now talking about title contention again at lightweight. But I would be fine seeing Korean Zombie be just to kind of... In, I mean, it's like Cub Swanson being in that kind of Donald Cerrone, like the highest level of action fighter role where you just put this guy in fun fights all the time... They might not necessarily get him to a title shot, or he might lose that like fourth or fifth fight in a row that would have got him to a title shot. But it's just as long as he's out there fighting fun fights, that's all I care about. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I know you got this uh, incredible memory for mixed martial arts. Has Cub Swanson fought the Korean Zombie? 
Swanson, no. Uh, somehow, I mean, that's the thing to remember, too, is that Chan Sung Jung, for as long as he's been around, and I'm I'll, I'm going to pretend I have a really incredible memory, but I'm also just looking, I have Cub Swanson's Wikipedia page right in front of me, it turns out. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, now, for as long as Chan Sung Jung's been around, he hasn't actually fought all that often. Like, you know, he had, he's had huge injury layoffs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had the military service, so his, you know, his he's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fights total across his WEC and UFC career. That's it. Yeah, so I'd rather see Cub Swanson versus Chan Sung Jung. We got the storyline, sure. they're both former WEC guys, uh, kind of long in the tooth, um, and action fun fighters, and then give Yair to Zabit. Yeah, Yair Zabit, Yair Stevens. Both those fights would be fun as shit to me. So, Well, I don't want to keep you too long if you don't want to hang out too long. So you want to do a WTF of the card that doesn't pertain to that incredible back elbow that yeah, you're pulled off in the main event? I don't really want to do a WTF of the card, mostly because like the other, only other real WTF of the card was that whole uh, Chaz Skelly submission uh-huh. thing. And if you followed me on Twitter, you'll know that I'm more or less on the ref side on that. Like, I feel bad for Chaz Skelly for losing like that. And but if you get caught in a, if you get caught in a Darce or in a Bravo choke, and the most the, the best defense for that is looking like you've passed out, closing your eyes and letting your arms go limp, and your face turns bright purple, <laughs> and the ref shakes your arm and it doesn't you don't respond, and he steps in and stops it like. It sucks for you if you're still awake. And, yeah, maybe the ref should know that the proper way to defend a, a Bravo choke is to look like you've passed out. <laughs> but, I like, what's what the fuck is the ref supposed to do with that? You can't judge based on how fast the guy gets up after you've called the fight. You're not going to know that until you've called the fight. So, I'm you know, Skelly didn't want to get a, a bad call on him for a submission. He shouldn't have got put in the submission. Right, and it was a. I, I kind of agreed with you on that. I'm pretty sure I retweeted you. You said we've seen too many times when a fighter is in choke, was in a choke for a really long time, and the referee just kind of stands there and looks at them while yeah. they're possibly dying. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that. We saw that thing with that guy in Brazil in the regional circuit where, like, the refs just sitting there jerking off while the guy's like twitching for 90 seconds, and it's like, oh, his body's still moving, so he must still be alive and i know that that's like super regional but we've seen that in other promotions all around the world where a fighter gets is getting choked and choked and people are like he's out he's out he's out oh my god what are you doing he's out and then everybody screams at the ref for you know a month and they're like oh my god how could anybody let this happen it's so often awful and then a ref steps in with the guy whose face is turning purple and everybody's like oh god how could you step in early you you don't know what you're doing and nobody should ever judge this sport that fast i don't give a shit i mean do we really care about Chaz skelly winning or losing against bobby moffett no no okay. prob- probably not and i saw it in person zach cummins against nathan coy at ufc on fox johnson versus hayes uh, last mm-hmm. last april I was in the crowd, and it was very disturbing. The whole crowd was yelling at the referee, and the ref would just keep looking at it. So, yeah, we should always err on the on the side of caution when fighter safety is on the line. These guys use their physical well-being to create money. Let's not lessen their career by a couple of seconds. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, if the ref isn't cautious, we know corners aren't going to be cautious. We know commissions will back the ref to the hilt, like we saw here. You know, they're like, oh, well, you have replay, and the ref's like, I see the replay, and I see that when I when I stepped in, he looked like he was out, and what I see in the replay shows me that I, he looked like he was out when he, when I stepped in, so what can I say? And the commission's like, well, yeah, I guess that's what you said you saw, so we can't reverse it. Yeah, that's the problem with uh, with the replay. You should not have the referee be the one that does the replay, too. Like in the NFL, the referee on the field isn't the one that makes the call. It's somebody in a booth somewhere. So that referee that made the call in the cage shouldn't be the one to make the call on the monitor. It's got to be, like, yeah. a higher but authority or somebody with a different perspective. The difference there, I think, is just that, like, there aren't, you know, refereeing commissions don't want to make refereeing harder on their referees. They want the referees to stick around and, like, do more shows because it doesn't pay very much and it's not glamorous and it's high stress. So I don't think commissions are very interested in, like, no, let's let's really crack down and question these guys and be like, well, you know, we know you acted in the best of what you thought was right, but we're going to call your entire style into, into... into into question and have other people everybody else go after you and pile on you i think there's a very much like let's protect our own and let's make sure that you want to come back and keep refereeing fights because we don't have enough people we don't have that many people who can or will do it and i know there are going to be a thousand people who are like fuck i'll go referee just tell me where And it's like well just go sign up and give away every weekend for the next four years to get paid nothing and you know, go referee fights in, like, somebody's garage in Backwoods, Colorado, and yep. maybe after four years, you'll have enough experience so they'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll call you up to a big card now. But that's, you know, that's the reality. It was For a lot of people, they lose money for, you know, several years just going and doing all the traveling to go ref and get paid almost nothing for it. Those people that think that they can go ahead and referee high-level MMA should just ref a junior high football game one time and just deal with that scrutiny from some parents. you got like four people upset at you for a holding call, let alone this. If, no. Yeah, Refereeing is a hard I, I, thing in sports. Not, it's not a blanket defense of bad refing. It really isn't. It's just there's a reason that commissions protect their own and tend to cover their own ass and it's just they're not really interested in inviting a lot of scrutiny on the people refereeing fights because it doesn't it doesn't pay enough to invite that kind of scrutiny frankly right uh, and my WTF of the card it's not something that necessarily happened on the card but it's it's a why the fuck instead of a what the fuck why the fuck did the UFC book Davi Hamash against John Gunther they wanted to get rid of John Gunther because he clearly didn't have the talent, but he won just enough going through a, a broke-ass season of tough that they never should have done, that they were con- kind of contractually obliged to give him another fight, so they gave him a fight that they thought he would absolutely lose, and now they can get rid of him. But it kind of sucks for both guys because uh, Davi Hamosh had, had already defeated two guys way higher than... John Gunther, Chris Grootsmacher, yeah, and Nick Hine. Your record out isn't gonna suck that much for Davi Hamos, so like yeah. he got he got like a free he got free money. Casual fan standpoint for Davi Hamos beating 
uh, John Gunther doesn't mean anything more than beating like Mark Diakese or you know Dong Young Maestro Kim or Des Green or something like that. Like they're just like, oh yeah, I, I kind of remember I saw that guy who won. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. You know, they we get people who are like, oh, you know, who's this Brian Ortega fighting for the title? Have I seen him fight before? You know, like, it, it's so hard to separate out talent in the current UFC with how bloated the roster is. So just getting another win on your record and getting a win bonus and keep moving forward. I mean, it's not... He did exactly what he should against a bad opponent, which is he just wrapped it up and got him out of there early and added a highlight so i suppose man i i just feel so bad for john gunther he seems like a a, a nice guy he just he's not very good at this sport um well no. he actually he has a win over uh Devontae smith yeah have you who, seen that fight <laughs> i'm sure it's awful no i've not seen it damn near killed him <laughs> and then gassed himself out going for the finish <laughs> and then just got wrestled into the ground for the next <laughs> round and a half before succumbing to strikes late in the third so <laughs> it, it, it's exactly what you'd expect out of john gunther beating Devonte smith almost the only thing i expect out of john gunther is the alpaca sound yeah <laughs> oh. no i mean i look so i really i understand i want to feel for john gunther too the blue collar gritty lunch pail scrappiness and all that but it's it's fucking it's sports. It's an athletic competition. You set yourself up to be judged on how athletically gifted you are and how well you can perform on an athletic playing field. And if you fail, you fail. I mean, that's the price. That's that's yeah. why people do it. Yeah. And also, I was thinking that I felt bad for him, but I should just feel good for him for even making it there. Most people yeah. with his amount of athletic ability do not make it to professional sports. No, I mean you got to look at you know you got to look at and applaud the realists out there like, uh, oh God, who's the stretched out Canadian middleweight who just retired? Um, yeah, I'm talking about. I just memory just totally shit the bed on me. Ryan James. Yeah. Yep. Ryan James, who went two and two in the UFC, won a couple of hard fought fights, and he looked at that and he was like, you know. I don't need to do this anymore. My goal was to make it to the UFC. That was improbable and incredible enough, and I'm hanging up the gloves. I know I'm not the most athletic guy in the world. I spend my day job as being a computer programmer. I don't need to go, you know, pursue this dream of that, like, everybody who tries hard can be champion. That's clearly not how athletic uh, athletics work. Right. Well, um, you're going to have the six-round post-fight show tomorrow, right, Zane? You yeah. want to do the... Yeah, I'll be coming at you with Dane Fox here, and uh, we'll be we'll be on we'll be on everybody's SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube feeds. Come uh, tomorrow at noon Pacific, three Eastern. So stay tuned for that. You can find me on Twitter at the Zane Simon. You can find me over at BloodyElbow.com, and of course, running the BE Twitter on UFC Fight Nights. And uh, until next time, when I'll be back here to uh, you know say more terrible things. There you go. Thanks a lot for joining me, Zane. You have a good evening, and I'll be listening to the sixth round to help me through my work day on Monday. All right, man. Have a good one. See ya. Uh, so now, fight fans, I'm going to take over just by myself, and we're going to recap all of these fights. And I know a lot of you in the comments are saying, how are you not still talking about that knockout? Let's go back to that knockout. Yair El Pantera Rodriguez knocked out the Korean zombie in the 
fifth round at 4.59. One second to go in the fight. It's tied for the latest finish in UFC history, and I just found the scorecard uh, thanks to John Morgan of MMA Junkie. <clears throat> the Korean Zombie was up 3-1, to 3-1, to and 2-1 to on the judges' scorecards going into the fifth round. He was likely winning that round, I thought, before getting knocked out, so that kind of sucks for him. But, oh my God, what an incredible fight that was. And I thought the night of fights was fantastic. Uh, I don't know what, what I could possibly want more. I, Jermaine Durandamy versus Raquel Pennington and Benyel Daryush versus Tiago Moy, Moises wasn't the best. But that main event, man, uh, like Zayn was saying, Yair would come with a lot of kicks, a lot of side kicks to the thigh, a lot of, a lot of low outside leg kicks. A lot of round kicks, a lot of jumping, spinning kicks, a lot of question mark kicks, all the kicks. Fucking Yair Rodriguez threw all of them. Every single kick that you can think of, that dude threw it, and probably three times in this fight. Then Chen Sung Jung would come back with maybe a check left hook and then a right straight behind it, and he was hitting Yair with a lot of those right straights. At the very end of the fight, uh, Yair and Yair kept saying, yeah, raise the roof, fans. You know, get a little louder, fans. Uh, this is a great fucking fight. Let's cheer it on, and Chen... Sung Jung would just kind of stand and look at him for a second. And he said, okay, we're going to shake hands. We'll shake hands again. Did that at the very end. And then there's like eight seconds to go. And Chen Sung starts going in on a flurry. And as he's going in on that flurry, Yair ducks down. Chen Sung kind of goes over his back. And Yair brings up his right elbow. I believe it was right elbow. And fucking slept the Korean zombie. And sleeping, man. Originally, Paul Felder thought that it was a headbutt from Rodriguez, but you can you could tell it's a weird thing to have happen. That's the strangest elbow knockout in the history of the UFC. I, I've got to be certain on that. So from Paul Felder's vantage point, maybe he, he definitely couldn't see it originally. Then you see it in the replay, and that was absolutely stunning. I think earlier, uh, Rob Amon or somebody else in the comment section, I apologize if I missed you, said that Yair's probably going to get an extra $100,000 because he's going to get a performance bonus for that knockout of the night and also a fight of the night bonus because the battle back and forth with the Korean Zombie and Rodriguez was an instant classic. One of the best fights I've ever watched. I'm still reeling from it. My heart, I'm, I'm jazzed. Absolutely jazzed about it. Rob Amon in the comments section said, how about Yair versus Volkanovski? I'm pretty certain that Volkanovski is booked against Chad Money Mendez. And we could just do a quick uh, Google search or uh, Wikipedia for that. But I'm pretty sure that Chad Mendez is booked against. Uh, and why don't, I, why don't I just do it? Volkanovski. Um T tons and tons of options for these guys that come out of main events with phenomenal performances especially when they're in the top 15 and we can clearly see a list of people who they could fight next and we think they're going to be climbing the ranks we want to be like oh i want to see him against this guy and that guy tons and tons of options for yair rodriguez yes chad mendez is facing alexander volkanovsky at ufc 232 which is headlined by john jones versus the mauler gustafson uh, and like i said what's next for chan sung jung i think he should fight Cub Swanson, or just stay in that realm of fun fights. I feel really bad that Chan Sung was going into that fifth round as the as the winner, you know, up on points, and then phew, slept that way. That was the weirdest thing. And I liked the whole night of fights. I liked it going into the main event, and then we come out of it with the weirdest knockout ever, one of the most fun fights you're ever going to see. Uh, 
feel-good moment for Yair Rodriguez. Just all around goodness. Yeah, Ava Ortega. He could have won the fight. Now she feels even worse. Man. Uh, Ava Ortega, she was laughing at Zane uh, breaking down Ryan James' logic. Well, that's also true. Uh, something I want to mention from earlier. Ah, Rob Amon's here with his Skype. Going to make some cuts. Going to cut some people from the UFC's roster. I want to clarify that I cared about Chess Skelly versus Bobby Moffat. Um, I'm internet friends or Twitter buddies with Chess Skelly. I've had him on this post-fight show, not on this channel before, but I've talked to him and broke down fights in the past. I think the one that we broke down together was uh, uh, Yuri Alcantara versus Sanders. Yuri Alcantara when he when he submitted Sanders. A cool hand, Luke Sanders. Yeah, that was it. So because. Chess Kelly broke down how Cool Hand could have got out of that knee bar. And Chess Kelly is a very knowledgeable guy about especially grappling exchanges. So when he got submitted by Bobby Moffat in the second round with a Darsh choke, which, by the way, it was Bobby's third Darsh choke victory in a row. And if you watch the hype video coming into that fight, he said that he was going for his turkey, which is um, in bowling, it's when you get three strikes in a row. And he got it. The Brado choke, Darsh choke whatever it may be. So I feel bad for Skelly because I like him as a person. Uh, and also, it didn't do justice for Bobby Moffat. He got the victory. He had Chas Skelly dead to rights in that Brado choke. And we're taking away from his moment a little bit because of the controversy. If the referee would have waited a little longer, just a little longer, to call it off, then it would have been definitive win for Bobby. Now we've got Chaz that has this loss. It's unavoidable. He's got this L on his record. He's now lost two in a row. Um, his last one was to Hick Diaz. And then he was off for a long time because he had to have Tommy John surgery. And Bobby Moffitt doesn't get to have his real moment in the sun because there's the controversy around his win. Uh, nobody really won in that situation. So I, I feel bad for it. And I, I spent my time to watch the fight, so I care, my dudes. Um, RC Kim, I think so because KZ was swarming at the end of every round, but I can't believe he thought he would knock KZ out with it. A standing 12 to 6 elbow has no power. KZ ran into it just perfectly. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. The Korean Zombie land, ran into Pantera's elbow absolutely magnificently. Let's talk about the co main event of the evening. And we don't have actually that much more time to talk about these fights. The overlords at SB Nation want me to keep this show to about a half an hour. Perhaps I could jump on to another stream and, and talk more, but let's cover this co main event here quick. Donald the Cowboy Cerrone versus Mike Perry. Basically what this fight comes down to is a lack of fight IQ by Mike Perry. A couple of times early on Donald Cerrone went for a takedown against Perry, and Perry uh, defended it. And then, uh, maybe midway through, no, maybe it's been toward the end of the first round, Mike Perry goes for a takedown. And while he was going for that takedown, I started to tweet, man, if I'm Mike Perry, I don't want to go to the ground at all with Donald Cerrone. As soon as the fight hits the canvas, Donald starts throwing up a triangle attempt, and Perry was able to get out of that. But then as he gets out of that, he, he's still in the guard, Donald hits an armbar attempt, and Perry picks him up, slams him on his fucking head, but still got submitted by it, and wow. Terrible fight IQ by Mike Perry to even go to the ground with Donald Cerrone, and then 
hell of a finish by Donald. In the post-fight interview, he brought his son, his like four-month-old son, into the octagon, said he... Now that he has this son, he knows what he's fighting for. He sees his son, and he sees his opponent, and he says to his opponent, Mother Effer, you're not going to be taking food off of this boy's table. Um, so f- maybe we finally have, like, they say motivated BJ Penn. We've got motivated Donald Cerrone. And what is he motivated to do? It's drop to the lightweight division and contend for a title. He said to Paul Felder that he's going to go down to 155. Paul's like, who do you want next? He's like, whoever they want to give me. But hey, Habib, I'm coming for that belt, motherfucker. I'm paraphrasing, of course. I don't know if that's actually what he said. But it's basically, he called out Nurmagomedov. I don't think you're going to get that fight, Donald. Uh, most impressive thing about this fight wasn't the fight itself. It was what resulted of the fight. Donald Cerrone is now the sole leader in UFC wins in the history of time with 21. He he moved ahead of George St. Pierre and Michael Bisbing, who had 15 apiece. And he's also now the leader in finishes in the UFC with 15. I can't remember who uh, he was tied with. Um, I want to say it's Anderson Silva, maybe. I'm going to do some Wikipedia list of records real fast. I'm going to waste a little time. Waste a little time. Um, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to get to it. And before we get out of here, I, we have to go over our post-fight bonuses. But yeah, Donald Cerrone moved ahead of Vitor Belfort and Anderson, the Spider Silva, who both had 14. Now Donald is the sole leader at 15 and he looked good he didn't look old i do question his ability to make it down to 155 pounds Uh, joe strong says that perry says his arm is broken and joe strong also asks is it the latest stoppage in ufc history it is but it's tied with the arm bar that uh, demetrius johnson hit on ray borg that was also with, or I think it was Ray Borg, one second to go. So it'll never get later than 4.59 of round number five, unless sometime down the road the UFC adds a sixth or a seventh round. Rob Amon says Cerrone versus Ramazan Emiv should be next. I was thinking that Donald Cerrone versus the winner of Ally Aquinta versus Kevin, the Motown Phenom Lee, should be next. I like that a lot. Ava Ortega, Mike Perry's fight IQ did not surprise me at least now. And I don't know if it was someone in the crowd or if it was Mike Perry's corner. A little before the ending sequence happened, they said, Punch that motherfucker in the face! Yeah. Yep. That's some great fucking advice. I am literally in a battle of fisticuffs right now. That's the whole plan. Or at least half the plan. Right, Tata Boots, I just said that. Uh, Johnny, it's it's Horiguchi. Right. I th- it was either Borg or Horiguchi, thank you, Johnny. So, Yair Rodriguez, his knockout of the Korean Zombie is tied now for the latest finish in UFC history with the armbar finish from Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson on Kyoji Horiguchi. Gucci Mane, not Borg. Sorry, Mason, uh, but thank you for tipping me off on that. 
Thank you, guys. Um, let's start talking about what you would do for post-fight bonuses. Well, there's not too much more that we're going to be able to talk about in the time period that we have. Let's talk about who we're going to give an extra $50,000 to. Keep in mind that you and I are not actually giving anybody any freaking money because, well, I don't have it to give. Yeah, I don't have. If I had $50,000, I'd buy myself a house or at least get a nice down payment on a house. Stop living in a apartment, an apartment. So let's go over these post-fight bonuses. I think that Macy Barber should get an extra $50,000 for her TKO over Hannah Cyphers in the second fight of the main card. And Macy Barber, uh, she has a high level of technique. She showed some really nice kicks, round kicks high, uh, a lot of the high kicks. And then in the clinch, Macy Barber is fucking brutal. Her elbows to, to Hannah Cyphers were devastating. She cut... cut um, Hannah Cyphers with them really, really bad. And then she showed really solid and scary killer instincts. She reminded me of Aspen Ladd. She's a young girl who uh, is going to, I think, someday contend for the title. She's got great ground and pound, good technique, overall a pretty athletic human being. But her aptitude for violence excels over everything else. I mean, she's only 20 years old, and she said that she wants to be the youngest champion in UFC history. But her, like, how violent she is stuns me. She's a scary human being, Macy Barber is. So I'd give her an extra 50 grand for her second round TKO finish. I'd give an extra 50 grand to uh, Devontae Smith for his finish over Julian Arosa, which happened at 46 seconds of the very first round. Basically, Rosa went for a... Uh, Smith was backing away, backing away, backing away. And then he planted and started to come forward as Rosa threw an outside low kick. Devontae Smith hit him with a, a jab cross. And the cross dropped Rosa and he finished with a little bit of ground and pound. 46-second uh, knockout in the first round. That's worthy enough of a post-fight bonus. But one reason why I would, I would want to give it to him is he... Because in his post-fight interview, he said not long ago, he said he was a poor son of a gun, and now here he is fighting the UFC, making some money. Uh, so I like when these guys in the lower end of the card get an extra $50,000 because he's got a lot of potential, and giving him that money could afford him to tr have better training, better training partners, better trainers all around. It could make him a better fighter, and then it actually, we give him $50,000 that benefits him, it benefits us in the long run because we'll have a better – he'll be more fun to watch. He'll be a good product, basically. We're going to invest in Devontae Smith. And I think that clearly the main event was uh, the fight of the night, and each competitor, the Korean Zombie and Yair Rodriguez, are going to get an extra 50K. And because, like I said, we're giving out an, uh, an extra 50K more than the UFC – Yair Rodriguez is going to walk away with 100k for the fight of the night and the performance of the night bonus. What do you guys got? Dark Sagan says Devante, Yair, and Cerrone should get. Uh, oh, Devante, Zombie, Yair, and Cerrone post fight bonuses. Love it a lot. Joe M says, Oh, Cerrone versus Gaethje should be next. I thought about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sorry I didn't say that. Great, great matchmaking, Joe M. Uh, Yair versus Zabit or Stevens. Oh, Zabit versus Stevens winner. Love that a lot. And Zombie versus Zabit Stevens loser. Perry versus Yancey Medeiros. Ooh, I love Mike Perry versus Yancey Medeiros. That's awesome. Uh, John Pembroke. What the fuck is this? All right, guys. <laughs> RC Kim, Korean Zombie versus Lobov. Give him an easier fight with a decent fan interest next. And Joe Strong says Yair. Hamish 
and uh, Macy Barber getting post-fight bonuses, and an Asian, like Asian writing said, zombie, go back to the tomb. Okay, let's look at what the real post-fight bonuses were. Uh, fight of the night goes to the Korean zombie versus Yair, Yair Rodriguez, obviously. And performance bonuses went to Yair Rodriguez and Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, all that that makes sense. I would just I wouldn't give Donald Cerrone the extra 50k if I were them. Uh, my, my friend Daniel Levy says the correct choices, but I would just give instead of Donald Cerrone, who's obviously. He's got a ton of post-fight bonuses. I think I put that he's got like $650,000 for post-fight bonuses alone in his UFC career. That's insanity. Uh, I would have given it to somebody who needs the money a little more, like Devontae Smith or Macy Barber. But anyway, that's the show. Unless you guys got some more comments, uh, we can get out of here. RC Kim says Cerrone Gaethje would be sick. I don't think Cerrone's baby son is, is saving him in that fight. Yeah, Dark Sagan says Devontae Smith got robbed of a post-fight bonus. Um, if you follow uh, Israel, the last style bender out of Sanya on social media, he said recently that lo locker room bonuses are a real thing. So even if you don't get a official post-fight bonus and you put on a, a very good performance, the UFC will often reward you monetarily for it. So I bet... Devontae's going to get a little extra something-something, and I bet Barbara gets a little extra something-something too. Anyway, thanks so much for being here with me, Fight Fans. Please give the video a thumbs up. I know this is a new style of show here on the SB Nation MMA channel. A lot of you uh, missed the six-round post-fight show, and I'm not the six-round post-fight show, but please know that it wasn't my choice to put myself here. Uh, but I need your thumbs up so that you know I can keep my career or my whatever this is, keep going and keep you know, up and up and up. And if your thumbs up equal, like, hey, to the bosses, this guy is doing a decent job. Thanks for having him. So if you appreciate this, please give the video a thumbs up. Uh, John Doe, sorry, I just joined. What do you think would have won if we went to a decision? Uh, we already went over that, man. It was 3-1, uh, 3-1, to one, three to one, and 2-2 two to two for the Korean Zombie going into the fifth round. So even if he would have lost the fifth round, he was going to get the decision victory. Thanks again for being here, Fight Fans. I'll see you next week after we watch UFC Fight Night 140, which goes down in Buenos Aires, Argentina, main evented by Neil Magny versus Santiago Genchebua Ponzinibbio. Co-main event is Ricardo Lamas versus Darren Elkins. I'll see you then. Namaste.